0: New York, your station for news as it happens. And here's Gene Shepard. Here we go. Here we go, crowd. <laughs> Once in a generation a voice arrives that speaks. Uh, oh, yeah, here, here. I got it here, very important note here. It says, Shepard, he says, uh, I was uh, happen to be no looking at some notes. Uh, this guy makes notes on shows. Listen, he says, Shepard, and he's a serious listener. <laughs> he says, Shepard, I happen to be looking at some notes I made on a show you did on April 4th, 1970. You discussed the Walter Mitty syndrome and remarked, quote, "The great era of public fantasy is probably over. now new types of fantasy will arrive public fantasy he's referring to new types of fantasy will arrive, mostly private." and then he goes on to say, "This reminds me of today's massage parlors where every man is treated like Caesar. every man is treated like Caesar." <laughs> Caesar's retreat is one such parlor. Shepard, another prediction is verified. Well, some night we will have to do a, uh, a piece on private fantasies, which are becoming more and more uh, virulent in their own way. But, you know, speaking of private fantasies, uh, this is an important, a very important date tonight. Right, right now, tonight is an important date. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what it is important thing happened many years ago on this date. What do you think it was? All right. No, it was truly historic. Now, wait a minute. Truly historic. A, 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 A true moment of history was passed. And here's what it was. A man in Norwood, Massachusetts did a thing It was a historic moment, and he's been lost in history, completely lost. Well, what happened on this date in Norwood, Massachusetts, in 1896? And while you're mulling that over, uh, do you have a little goodie in there for us, Bill? Do you? Why don't you press the button, please? Who's in charge here, lady?
1: Oh, good morning, Mr. Policeman. Here, the Red Baron of Lufthansa German Airlines is in charge.
0: Tell him he shouldn't hog all those meters parking a 747 jet in the street.
1: When he gets back from choosing movies for Lufthansa's 747 transatlantic flights, he will move the plane.
0: I wish I could afford to fly to Europe.
1: You can. November through March, fly Lufthansa from New York to Germany economy class round trip for only $240.
0: On oh, something that good, there must
1: be a hitch. No hitch. You fly any day and travel on your own. You can land in your choice of many German cities. Even land in one and fly home from another. And can stay 22 to 45 days. If you fly eastbound on Fridays and Saturdays, or westbound on Saturdays and Sundays, there is a $15 extra charge each way.
0: $240 round trip November through March, New York to Germany on Lufthansa? Okay. Um... Give me 42 dimes, and I'll go down and feed your meters. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hello, hello, Tester. You, you got your yeah, We're back on the air there. Hello there. Get that 747 jet out of the driveway, will you there, Baron? Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> speaking of historic moments here, uh, I uh, I have a historic commercial here for Shoe Town yeah, that we'd like to lay it on you there. shootown has got it all. And I quote here. It says, Shoe Town's got it all together for you. Now, it says, you know those far-out Bridgetown Flood shows? The Bridgetown Flood shoes that the boutiques have for up to 30 bucks? Bridgetown Floods. Shoe Town's got them. Shoe Town's got the. They they put all these little things in the commercial, you know, you're supposed to get real hip-like. It says, Shoe Town's got them. And then Parentheses says, now dig this. Shoe, ta- <laughs> Shoe Town's got the very same Bridgetown Floods for $12.88. And uh, these are these dynamite two-tone multicolored jobs. Red, white, and blue, green, purple, and orange. Beige, brown, navy, pink, yellow, more. They light up. Some of them are even neon colored. The smoothest leathers. And these Shoe Town shoes are outrageous according to the commercial. Only at the Shoe Town. Get this. Live quality in sizes for men just 1,288 are waiting for you only at the Shoe Town in Lawrence, Long Island, three hundred forty-eight Rockaway Parkway, Turnpike, or the Shoe Town in Oceanside, Long Island, 3500 Long Beach Road. That's Shoe Town. Bridgetown's Floods, Shoes. Great. <laughs> Where will it ever end? Uh, you know, speaking of, uh, of a historic moments, so though, have you ever had the feeling... Now, is this a private feeling with me, or is, is, it a, is it a feeling other people get? I suspect most people, unfortunately, don't have any sense at all of history. I mean, even their own history. Do you ever get the feeling when you cross, say, 6th Avenue... Or say you cross uh, Broadway, or you cross uh, Fifth Avenue. Uh, the the feeling that this could be the first time ever in history that a guy has crossed, going from east to west on Fifth Avenue, at this specific angle and at this specific fe- speed. That you ever got that feeling that you're the first to have done anything? In fact, I'll bet... Well, no, you don't. Well, see, I, I don't think being an engineer you have much of a sense of history. Most of them don't. Uh, no, no, I'm not putting them out. The, the guys that make machinery and are, are, are machinery-oriented, equipment-oriented, rarely have much of a sense of of, uh, of any kind of past. As a matter of fact, you know, I found this to be true in... in, uh, in For example, I was in, uh, in a car factory uh, here a couple of months ago. And uh, it was in... Uh, in, in Sweden, they make the Saab there, you know? And I was in the Saab factory there. And here, it's a very ultra-modern factory, and they're all electronic equipment, making these cars fantastic. And I'm walking along with this guy who who has uh, been with the company for forever, you know? And I said to him, I says, Hey, he said, uh, uh, Do you have any of the very first Saabs around that you guys ever made? He says, What? The uh, first Saab? You know, as a Swedish, the first to Saab? And I said, yeah, the first, the very first ones. He says, what do we have this for, huh? <laughs> I says, well, it would be kind of interesting, see. And, and one of the other guys who was with us, who was a mechanic, this woke him up right away. And he says, yeah, so we went around in the back. They had this old garage in the back someplace. And there in the back of the garage, just sitting there with dust all over it, was Saab number one, the first Sob they ever built that came off the line. And there it was, just sitting back there. And it's uh, it looks very interesting compared to what they look like today, you know, but uh, uh, they, they they thought that was kind of unusual that somebody would ask them about that. Because most people simply are, have no interest in that. No way. Uh, that's unfortunately true. For example, here at the radio station, now this station's been in business now since uh, well very earliest days of radio, and yet there are very few pieces of equipment, for example, around that this station has that it had then. It would be kind of great to see one of these big double-button carbon mics, you know, that you see in the old pictures with the ring, with the springs, and all that stuff. I have never seen one of those. I guess what they do is when they get rid of them, they just throw them out or something, or you know, sell them to a the junk man. But now I'm going to ask you about that history. What was the what happened on this date? Well, I'll tell you, you you would never guess, because it's not going to be written in any history book. The first man who ever actually bought an automobile bought it in 1896 on this date. Now, there were other automobiles around, but but the guys built them interested in this kind of thing? Seriously, I mean, a guy, can you imagine a guy going out and doing something? I'm sure he had no concept that he was a historical character. Now, if you don't think buying the first car was a historical move, every place you go in the world today, everywhere you go in the world today, the, the desire on the part of everybody, you go to India, you go to, and I've been to these places, you go to India, you go to Japan, you go to... uh you go to uh, Africa. You go any place I've ever been. The dream of every guy that lives in that place is to have a car. That that is a symbol of of really something. Uh, really, you you really achieve the fantastic thing if you're in India and you have a car. Do you know that I was in India here just last year, and I was riding around with a guy who was a government official. Now, he was no just you know ordinary slob. He's a, he's a government official. Seeing so we're riding along in this. In this car, and by the way, I'll ask you a bit of trivia. Do you have any idea what car they make in India? They make a car in India. As far as I know, it's not imported or exported anywhere. It's only made in India. What's it called? <laughs> All right, it's an Indian car. It really is, and it 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 uh, looks, you know, it's an Indian car. And we're riding along in this Indian car. See. And uh, he he says it's a taxi, see. And, and he says to me, a, a, a motor scooter goes by. Now th- I'm going to give you an idea how valuable cars are in other places. A motor scooter, like a Vespa, go t- 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 right past us, see. And uh, I said, just out uh, of the casual, uh, just make a conversation. I says, uh, you know, I said, gee, I see the Vespas there. I said that's a that's an old one. I said, look at that baby. I said, I used to have a Vespa. And the, he turns to me and he says, oh, he says, uh, very interesting, very interesting. And the Indians are very polite. He says, very interesting, very interesting. And uh, what uh, sort of Vespa did you have? I said, well, uh, I had the 125 now that you mention it. It was 125. I said, uh, uh, I, I really dug it. I said, I really enjoyed having it. Very interesting. Uh, that is precisely the model that I have ordered. I said, oh, you ordered a Vespa. Seventy-three AMC Hornet Hatchback, big standard six, huge hatch panel, fold-down rear seats, new safety bumpers, AMC buyer protection plan, and now a special price—that's value American style. AMC All right, seventy-three, sing it out there, Tex. coming on. on strong. See your New York, New Jersey American Motors dealer now, and tell
1: them a Tex
0: sent you. <laughs> Is that a threat, Tex? Come on, you get off my back. Ain't going no, no chicken plucker like you is going to come on twist my arm like that. And uh, speaking of Tex, I'd like to point out that Gramercy Park Clothes, at 64 West 23rd Street in New York says, and we quote here, Mr., if the new style of men's clothes turn you on but the high prices turn you off, you are a candidate for one of them real fine Gramercy Park suits. <clears throat> you see, that, 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 that damn accent that Texas got is catching. I mean, next thing you know, you're going to walk around saying, Yep. Uh, we'd like to suggest that you go down to
1: <laughs>
0: try that accent down at Gramercy Park Close. They wouldn't understand you. 64 West 23rd Street, third floor. And they're open every day of the week. Gramercy Park, you'll save some dough, according to the spot here. 64 West 23rd Street in New York. And here's a little spot. says, how sweet it is. The Mike Douglas Show is in Miami. Oh, goody, with Jackie Gleason as co-host. Don't miss the comedy and the nostalgia tomorrow at 4.30 on Channel 2 in New York. What's happening here? I have a feeling that I'm being invaded by a crowd of hungry clams. And they're nibbling at my kneecaps. Never did I think I'd find the day come that I'm plugging Mike Douglas. <laughs> Oh, my, you know, where, where, that's like uh, that's like a John Dillinger walking in and opening a Christmas savings account at his local bank. You know, at 4%, he wants to save and buy something for that lady in red, like a blackjack or something. She wants one of them nice ones, you know, with the with the uh, alligator skin leather on the outside. But uh, let's see, we have one more spot. Don't we have, yeah, do we, uh, Jerry, you took it down just when I was about to read it. We got House of Chan up there? Uh, no, General Tarr, yes. Uh, I can't read it. Uh, you've got it in the light there. I guess that means House of Chan, yeah. Okay, we'd, we'd like to recommend that uh, after you've, uh, after you've, uh, you may need something to brace you up after you've seen the Mike Douglas show. And uh, we'd like to suggest, you know, that uh, you go down to the House of Chan because they're, they've they got this <laughs> great cocktail hour between 4.30 and 6.30. Down there you go and you have one of them Chinese martinis. And, uh, boy, it'll set your eyeballs a-poppin'. And then they have these uh, these uh, Chinese hors d'oeuvres. And uh, what does it say they're called? I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. It's uh, some strange name. Well, you just eat them. You just holler out there. And incidentally, you, uh, they're having a Thanksgiving thing, a Thanksgiving feast on the Chinese manor. Now, you ought to see how the Chinese uh, give thanks. The, for example, they have barbecued capon with all the trimmings. They do it right, you know. None of just meatloaf. A chestnut soup. <laughs> uh, you ever had chestnut soup? Unbelievable aphrodisiac. Whew. You take her down there and feed a couple of jugs of chestnut soup and that oh, chestnut soup, the pumpkin pie, all you can eat for seven dollars and a half, and uh, that's uh, that's doing it up right. That's at Seventh Avenue and 52nd Street, the House of Chan. You go in there and you say, "Holla, schreien mark and they'll they'll serve you fast. That means I'm I'm in a hurry, quick, and I'm I'm carrying dough, and they'll serve you quick. Uh, oh, uh, yes, uh, yes. Uh, what was I doing here? Forgot all about it. What I was doing uh, about uh, about historic moment. Oh, I know. <laughs> You're very literal tonight. <laughs> you really are. Uh, you know, I, I, this would be a good night for you to go see uh, Peter Pan. You know, when that when the when that uh, when the actress uh, playing Peter Pan comes forward and says, "Do all of you believe in fairies? All of you who believe in fairies, uh, raise your hand." You'd raise your hand. I know that half of New York would. Of course, they do believe. So uh, it takes. A <laughs> oh gee, it's bad news tonight. Yep. I, I'm thinking of doing a newscast. It's just nothing but bad news. Come right out and say, it's bad news tonight. And here's our first piece of bad news. Mayor Lindsay said he was going to rerun for mayor. He's going to run again for mayor. And now, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, you 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 uh, you you talk about the history. I, I, have, I have to be serious now. History is a serious thing. Would you give me a little historic music, please, please? That's it. Crank up the machine in there, Bill. There it goes. And now this deeply concerned radio station brings you man through history. Marching through dynasty after dynasty and through kingdom after kingdom, man remains basically mankind. Whether he's signing the Magna Carta a check for $7.90 to give to Alexander's for a plastic football with a picture of Joe Namath on it. He remains that noble creature, man, standing head and shoulders above the turtles, stepping with giant strides over the squirrels. Tonight, we take this opportunity to salute... Mankind, the historical creature. Striving ever, ever, ever and again, and upward and onward. Man is reaching for the stars. <laughs> By God, you're one of them. Lubbing your way along the long- Island expressway battling your way across Queens, living in that little hovel in Floral Park, remember, no matter how humble you be, no matter how simple and basic your life, you are still part of the great noble experiment. That experiment that nature foisted off upon the universe over a million and a half years ago. You, the Neanderthal, The Paleolithic man, one and the same, the moment that we first swam out of that antediluvian lake, looked out across the dark, gray, storm ridden horizon, girded our loins, and began to have a faint glimmer of the first Howard Johnson in those early minds, man was destined to rule the solar system. And so tonight, this deeply concerned medium of human expression takes time out from the hurly-burly of 20th century life to salute the whole concept. Not just to salute one group, one nation, one race, one idea, but all of us, every last miserable one of us. reprints of this broadcaster available at two dollars a copy suitable for framing. Yes, step by faltering step. Mile after mile mankind struggles over the vast desert of time reaching for what he knows not. He sends probes out to Venus, to Mars. Goes down to the deli for some thin-sliced pastrami. Touch of mustard. Plays a game of canasta. Watches Joe Namath. Struggles endlessly forward onward. Unquestioningly driven by the forces that made him what he is in the first place. Man, what made us climb out of that antediluvian lake from underneath a rock? Did the goldfish do it? No. Did the electric eels do it? No. Did the bullheads do it? Although there are some elements of the bullhead in us, no. They're for me only for us. To shed our webbed feet the fins that ran down our back get rid of the gill covers stand upright march off wearing a gray flannel suit with a button-down collar looking for bigger, greater more rich horizons yes, we remain what we are mankind eon after eon. Re- one of the great myths, of course that man has, that no other animal has is that each succeeding generation of mankind is greater, stronger, richer, and smarter than the preceding generation. Which, of course, is one of the great man myths. But nevertheless, somehow, it is always believed, and will always be believed, and will go... And Maybe, perhaps, that's the secret if there is a secret. And so tonight we salute that weak, solitary, almost airless creature. Driven by the hard arctic winds, sweltering at the steaming tropical sunset. Rugged winter driving ahead during pick-a-pair time at your local General Tire Headquarters. You just walk in and take your pick. They have snow tires, they have regular tires, and they have a sale. So get down there and find out about it. You just walk in, say, pick a pair. And remember the uh, price. Uh, you, you ask him. He's got all those prices. But uh, the, there is a specific thing you should have tattooed on your jockey shorts. You go in snow, or General pays the toe. <laughs> why don't you see Joe Callahan? At the Nassau-Suffolk General Tire Service, 154 Front Street in Hempstead. And you notice he has a warm, solid handshake. Comes from picking up all them tires. dee dee, dee, dee. Now, that was kind of nice, wasn't it? Did you like our salute to mankind? There was, another, there was another thing that happened. Another thing. Are you curious who built the first car in America? Built the first? Not Henry Ford. No way. Who made the first automobile on record in America? Yep. you curious? All set. America's first successful gasoline engine motor vehicle was in operation September 21st in Springfield, Massachusetts. Designed by Charles E. Duryea, his brother, J. Frank Duryea, Built a single cylinder horseless carriage. The Duryea was the first American made car to have an electric ignition and a spray carburetor, which is just what you got in your car. You know what a spray there? Both of which Duryea himself designed and built. That was the first one, 1893. And uh, there was one very interesting. Milestone, which is coming up, and I I would like to celebrate it. Actually, we passed it, and yet it's not passed. The first race ever held between motor vehicles, the actual first race. You want to hear about that? The first absolute from exposure in the bitter cold, an hour before the end of the race. (laughs) That's kind of exciting, isn't it? I mean, these guys. Can you imagine? And and and. uh, one of the, one of the things that came out of racing in the, the next year, 1896, see, they had this great big race that was actually run on a track. The first track run was held at Narragansett Park. You know Narragansett? You know where they have the horse races? It was held at Narragansett Park, Rhode Island, September 7th, 1896. Seven vehicles were entered. This is the first time they ever ran on a track. Two electrics and five Douriers. But two of the Douriers were disqualified. They don't say why you know, hanky-panky and all that stuff. All five heats, one mile each, was run by, won by a single car, not by the Dourier. It was run won by the Riker Electric Stanhope. Average for the first mile, by the way, was 26.8 miles an hour. Second prize went to a Morris and Slalom, it's a great name, the Electrobat. <laughs> In fact, the race was so dull that the spectators at the race began to chant, they just went around and around. They began to chant. And what do you think they chanted? They created a, a phrase which to this day remains in the language. That historic day, which was September 7th, 1896, in Narragansett, Rhode Island. The crowd began to chant. You know how they do in, in uh, football games now? They holler, defense, defense, defense. Well, they, the crowd began to chant, Get a horse! Get a horse! <laughs> Get a horse! The whole crowd... Gr- Get a horse! Get a horse! Get a horse! And already, this, the first sorehead fans were beginning to develop in American sports. And you could just see Howard Cosell saying, you know... Ladies and gentlemen, this thrilling this thrilling contest is being brought to you by ABC. Yes, and Muhammad Ali. Muhammad, what do you think of today's race? You could hear... Get a horse! Get a horse. Of course, he would be telling us how great it is. All the while, the fans are like, Get a
1: horse!
0: <laughs> And so tonight, we take this opportunity to salute Charles Morrill. Or was it George? George H. Morrill of Norwood, Massachusetts. The first guy that bought a car. Now, they don't say whether he was happy with it. He was also probably the first guy that came back mad. You know, these things all follow. He was probably also the first guy that found out that his uh, his warranty didn't actually mean what he thought it meant. <laughs> so he's you know, he probably the holder of many records. He was, he was the first guy that probably had a gigantic argument with his wife when he drove home with that thing. He was also probably the first guy that got discontented and wanted to buy the next model. Five minutes after he bought that one. So you know, it's a history. You just can't stop history, and it's a fantastic march forward. And so fans, tonight we have taken the we have taken the broad view, the great vast perspective view of this tiny dot struggling across this enormous, this howling desert of time. And you're part of it. You're part of it just as much as George Washington was, just as much as Richard the Lionhearted was. Of course, those guys had better press. But that doesn't really mean anything in the end, does it? (laughs) Uh, After all, talent's a myth anyway. You're really a person. A real person. And they weren't happy either. Oh, this is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith and the News.